Amen. Well, I want to welcome you once again. How are you doing today? Are you awake yet? Yeah, you look awake. Uh, well, today we're going to continue with Sermon 2 of the new series titled New. And the, the theme for today is that we're going to talk about developing a new walk with God. Now, today I want to start with the Bible reading of Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. Uh, it's going to be on your uh, screen, but if you want to find it on your Bible, Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. Uh, we're going to read there. Uh, the Bible verse is also on your paper. And it says like that, and now... Just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth that you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. What does it come to your mind when you think about walking with God? As many of you know, I'm originally from Mexico. And when I lived there all the way until I was 23 years old, uh, walking was my primary way of transportation. I remember when I was a kid, a teenager, I walked to the school. I walked to the church. I walked everywhere. That, uh, And then I did use public transportation as well. But walking was my primary way of going to places. That, of course, now it's many pounds ago. I mean, many years ago. <laughs> Here in America, things are different. When I, unless you live in New York, right? But most places, uh, when I first got here in 2007, I remember clearly going in a car, and I was shocked to see the street sidewalks empty. People don't walk here. They hop in their car to go everywhere, even if you are only half a mile from your house to 7-Eleven. I bet you that you get in your car and you drive. People don't like, I don't know. In fact, some people just don't like walking at all. Did you know that it is a fact that some people don't even walk to their mailbox? They get into their car, put their car in reverse, grab their mail, drive back to their garage, and then they get into their house. We all know the benefits of walking. Walking is one of the most profitable, profitable form of physical exercise. It, it stimulates the heart and lungs. It, it strengthens the bones and muscles and increases the blood flow throughout the body while also having a great benefit of helping you lose Way. Anybody here love walking every day? See, because of its value, uh, Americans are encouraged to walk at least, they say, uh, the American Association, 30 minutes every day to reap the benefits. And I want to use this illustration on the spiritual side because, listen, God wants us to understand that the Christian life is a walk. Amen? God is not only in the church. When we go out of the church this morning, God wants us to walk with him in every area of our life. But of course, whether you like walking physically or not, walking requires time. It requires dedication. It requires effort. 
and requires persevering. In the New Testament, you'll find that when Jesus was looking for his first disciples, he called them followers. He said, come and follow me. And they became followers of Christ. But at the end of his three-year earthly ministry, they were no longer his followers. In fact, they were his friends. Jesus himself called them like that in John 15, 15. He said, I will no longer call you my servants, for a servant knows they know what their Lord wants. I will call you my friends, which is evidence of the relationship that can only be accomplished when people walk together. It is a given, uh, church, that friends, that God didn't create us to walk alone. Amen? He is the first one who wants us to walk with him. So I want to give you four things that I hope it will help you as we started the new year to strengthen our walk with God. If you're not walking with the Lord, I pray that you will consider this year doing a year of truly walking with the Lord. And if you're walking with him, that you will strengthen your walk with him this year. The first one, I'm going to repeat the Bible verse. Would you read it with me? Let's see. And now, just as you accept as Christ Jesus as your Lord, what does it say? You must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth that you were, and you will overflow with thankfulness. Now, underline those words. Let your roots grow down into him, and let your lives be built on him. Now, the consequences of doing this is two things. The Lord says we will live on an, we will live on an atmos- atmosphere of truth, In a world that has so many lies for us. And the second thing that we will do is that we will be thankful people. We will have thanksgiving as a result of our living with Christ. There's nothing better to me at least, I believe, that to live in the truth. Amen? The truth will set you free, the Lord said. Truth will bring you peace. Truth will help you continue a perfect walk with Jesus. And of course, truth has a name. His name is Jesus. Now, Paul wrote to the church of Colossae. Let me, I hope my pronunciation was right on that word. Colossae or, or whatever you might want to call it. Colossians Church. Let me give you the context of this. Uh, it is, even though Paul did not plant the church of Colossae, there is no doubt that the founding of this church sprang from his instruction. He had never been on this place, but the Bible recalls on Acts chapter 19 verse 10 that during the three years that Paul did ministry in Ephesus, it says that the whole Asia heard the gospel of Jesus Christ and All of its inhabitants, Jews and Gentiles, listen to the word of God. And now we have a church right here, the church of the Colossians. The church is thriving. It is a new church. And it is most likely that Epaphras, 
who perhaps was the pastor of this church, had gone to visit Paul while he was in prison. Paul is now in prison because of the gospel, and Epaphras visits him, and he is telling him a good report for the most part. The report is good. I invite you to read 1 Colossians chapter 1 at home, and you will see this beautiful report that Epaphras brings to Paul. But there is also something of concerning. And as you know, every letter written by, by Paul addresses an issue, also a praise for the church. And we don't specifically know uh, what the problem is um, on this uh, particular issue, but we can deduct. If you read chapter 1 and 2, you may deduct what was the problem. And I want to call it, which is going to be our first point, cultivate a new image of God on your, on your point, uh, on your first, on your outline, if you're taking an outline. The problem with, uh, the concerning problem with the church is that there was, there was a group of people, like in any healthy church, you know, the enemy always wants to distort. And there was a group of perhaps teachers, if you might want to call them, that we're interested in, in distorting the image of God. Like saying, for instance, God loves you if you do this. God will be with you if you do this. Like if God's love was conditional in the times of the, the Gentiles, for instance, the, the Jewish Christian uh, teacher will say, God will be with you all the days of your life if you circumcise. You have to, do, you have to add to the love of God so that he can love you. And, and by application today, let me ask you something particular to your heart. Have you asked yourself, what is the image that you have about God? An image, it's form of two things. Number one, experience and emotions. And depending on your context or how you, grew up, how you grew up and your emotions, then you form an image. This is why sometimes we see someone and we don't like that because we form an image of that person. It turns out that person is a great person after we get to know him or her. Has that happened to you? You form an image of someone, and, and, and this is what was happening. The teachers were trying to form an image of a God that loves you if, and believe it or not, many people still have that image of God. Some people have an image of God, that a God that they think is angry at them, some people see God as a God that is uh, waiting for, for you to live up to his standards. Some other people have an image of a vengeful God, a God who doesn't care, a God who doesn't care about his people. Some say, if God is good, then why there's children starving from hunger in America? If God can heal, why can he do that? The image of God... It's motivated by experience and emotions. And of course, you know that we cannot, we are not good at calling good, good or bad, bad, unless we have a ground, which is the Bible. 
The truth is, Paul Apostle says in First Corinthians, uh, uh, in, in the, the, the letter of Thessalonians, he said that God is the, Jesus Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. What is the truth of the Bible? The truth of the Bible is that God's love is unconditional. Amen. He loves you, and he loves me just as we are. Aren't you grateful for that? He doesn't care where you come from, what have you done. He doesn't care where is your past, whether you are tall or small or have money or not. He only cares about you because his essence is love. Let me give you a quick example. You may remember that the Lord... uh, led his people of Israel after they had been slaves for 400 years. Just, just try to think about this. Slavery of 400 years. The Lord delivers his people with great power. You've read that. But the people were difficult people. They had a mind of defeat. They had physically freedom. They had finally out of the, the promised land. But in their mind, they were still slaves, and they were difficult people. And so the Lord called his, his, uh, Moses to give them the Ten Commandment, Commandments. And Moses takes 40 days because God takes his time. Whether you like it or not, he's doing something good in our lives. Amen? And he takes his time. But we're impatient. And so the story tells that that the people got impatient and they, they forced Aaron to build a golden calf. And then they started worshiping that golden calf and doing all kinds of immoral things. And Moses comes down, and let me quote from Exodus 32, 19. They came near the camp. Moses saw the calf and the dancing, and he burned with anger. Moses, he threw the stone tables to the ground, smashing them at the foot of the mountain. Now, let me ask you something. Who burned with anger, God or Moses? Moses. Who smashed the the stone tables to the ground? Moses. It appears that Moses had an anger problem. (laughs) Anybody here identifies with him? Don't say. Anybody sitting beside someone that has an anger problem? And so sin has consequences, of course. And that day over 3,000 people died. But the Lord calls Moses back to the mountain again. And he will give him these commands again. But this is what I love about the God of the Bible. Before this second time, before he gives him the commandment, he reveals to him his nature. Look with me what uh, Exodus chapter 32, uh, uh, ver- 34, verse 6 says. It's on, the, on, on your screen. It says, the Lord passed in front of Moses calling out Yahweh, the Lord. Would you read it with me? The God of compassion and mercy, I am slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. God is love. 
And he said, I am the God of compassion and mercy. Men can probably get upset, but God has patience. And the Bible says that he has patience because he doesn't want anybody to die. He wants people to come to repentance. This doesn't mean that he ignores sin. This doesn't mean that he doesn't care about evil. But the truth is this. Our behavior is not a condition for God's love. He doesn't expect us to be perfect. He will perfect us through the image of his son, Jesus Christ. Amen? So the first thing we got to do is work in our image of God, the God of the Bible. Number two, really quick, we need to lose the weight that is making us stumble. Lose the weight that's making you stumble. Hebrews 12.1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by a huge crowd of witnesses, it says, To the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that, also, that so easily stripped us up, and let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. Now, how many of you are still with me? From this verse alone, we can imply several things. Most scholars agree that the writer of Hebrews is Paul the Apostle. So we'll, we'll think that Paul is writing again. And from this verse alone, we can just imply several things that he says. But I want to point your attention to three things that we can deduct from this passage. Here's the first one. In the Christian life, he's saying, we have a goal. Let us run with endurance, he says. We are all going somewhere, amen? And we hope that that somewhere is with the Lord. The truth is that we are all are walking. But Paul says in the Christian life, we are not stagnant. We are all going somewhere. Number two, in the Christian life, we have an inspiration. He says, there is a cloud of unseen witness. Like, for instance, athletes will do better if they are running and they know that the stadium is full of people that are Olympic athletes, per se. They will be inspired to run better. In the Christian life, we have an inspiration. But then the third thing, and it is true also, that in the Christian life, we have a handicap. And that's the handicap of our own sin. Let me tell you a, a story that I read, and it happened four years ago. I didn't want to tell you the place because it was hard enough for me to say it in English, and I have no idea how to say that place. But it happened here in the United States. Four years ago, about a, uh, there is a picture that I brought, about a python owner that was killed by his, he was killed by his eight foot long pet. He died of asphyxia when the python wrapped itself around his neck. But what come, what caught my attention is the python's name. Get this, her name was Tiny. Her mom was interviewed to know a little bit more about this snake. And, and she said the, the snake was a little bit unpredictable. Uh, sometimes the snake would, would hiss and pretend to attack, to strike. 
And some other times, it was just a, such a good baby that her son would come and say, Mom, Mom, look at Tiny. She's behaving today. Her mom said, We never saw Tiny as a dangerous snake. His son had gotten the snake when she was literally tiny. A baby. He loved her, she said. She saw, and then she said, he loved her, she said. She was his baby, and he loved him back. Hmm, right? The truth is, tiny was not tiny at all. I mean, I'm tiny. I'm only 5'7", but this animal was 8 foot long. And it took his life because he failed to see a problem when it was right in front of him. We need to pay attention what's unchecked in our lives, those little things that can destroy us. Uh, I love Pastor Steve's, uh, Steve's devotional from yesterday. Uh, on the first service, I say, on his book, A Walk to Remember. No, that's a movie. His book is A Walk Through God's Word. <laughs> I literally said that in the first, in the first service. Uh, on his devotional from yesterday, and you might find it on Facebook, he was talking about Psalm 139 when, the Psalm, when David says, Lord, search me and know my heart. And, and he said something that I think it's fitting for the message this morning. He was talking about the white coat syndrome, which is the thought that many Americans and people have that, listen, if I don't go to the doctor, uh, everything is fine. But I'm afraid to go to the doctor because if I go to the doctor, he might find something wrong. So if I don't go, then I will live forever. I'll be fine. Which is a, a, a naive idea. And then I quote Pastor Steve's devotional. If we're honest, we take this same approach with God. We like being around God. We like talking to God, especially when, when we are talking to him about other people. We like telling him what's wrong with our spouse, our kids, like telling him about how he needs to fix our country, our job, or the weather. We like pointing out to him uh, what's wrong with a number of people and things around us. But what we don't like is opening ourselves up to let God do a deep exam on us. Then he added, God can't heal what you won't let him reveal. And you can't become better until God shows you where you lack. How many of you agree with this? That's what in your bulletin it says. We need to deal, remove the junk to restore the joy. You have to confront the junk to restore the joy. And none of us is exempt from this. Let me, let me be a little bit vulnerable with you about something that happened to me a few years ago. I uh, had a disagreement with my in-laws when we were working together in the ministry. In order to be healthy, I stepped aside of the ministry for a while, but they were hurt by that. And then our meetings became awkward. To the point that they didn't want to see me around. I mean, to me. I'm so likable. 
I'm just kidding. <laughs> they didn't want to see me, but the problem was that my wife was in the middle of this. And I remember a time where I went to, the, to, uh, to just a meeting that they had, and they were literally speaking between amongst them, and I was sitting there like a little child, grounded. They didn't speak to me at all. That not only hurt me, but I felt uh, somewhere betrayed. And my wife was in the middle of this. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. Resentment started coming into my heart. Not because I wanted it, but because I just didn't know how to deal with this. And my wife would say, I, I kind of want to go see my mom. And I will say, okay, go. But it, inside of me, I just like, like, I don't want that. And of course, the Bible says, if you remember that you come to the altar and your brother has something against you, leave your offering at the altar, be reconciled, and then come back and present your offering. So I have to confront the junk in my heart. Truth is, I was being resentful. And then I opened up myself and I found, I Google at the time, celebrate recovery. And then I found a place in Bethany, Oklahoma. Of course, Chartel was, didn't have that program yet. And I went there and, and then I say, hey, I'm here because I need to find healing for my life. What do you do when you bring your junk into the light of Jesus the first thing you find is freedom. And God is big enough that he doesn't get shocked by your shame and the things that you think that you will be criticized for. And after a period of nine months through recovery and attending meetings and doing the, the steps, I went into my in-laws and I say, I am so sorry. If I offended you, please forgive me. I didn't mean to for this to happen. They were still a little, I don't know if I want to forgive you. But now the Lord has restored a relationship. And we had a beautiful relationship with my in-laws. And every time I go to my, my mother-in-law home, she's like, have you eaten yet? And of course, I, I, I like to eat a lot. So I always say, no, no, I haven't eaten yet. And she's like, okay, let me prepare something for you. You know, that's how we Mexicans are. We like to eat a lot. <laughs> are you willing to confront the junk to restore the joy? Number three, find ways, find new ways to explore God's word. Second Timothy 3.16, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach what's true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Now, if we are honest this morning in church, because that's we got to be honest in church, amen? Uh, with the exception of a few, one of the hard things to do is to read the Bible, it is a given. A survey of 2020 showed that only 4% of Americans read their Bible on a daily basis. Paul Washer says, 
I, every day I have to get up and do the two things that I hate to do, my flesh hates to do, and that is, number one, to pray, and number two, to read God's Word. The truth is that we don't like so much to read God's Word. We may be three hours watching a game, but the very minute we open our Bible, we start feeling sleepy. I know that only happens to me. But listen, the Bible doesn't specifically say how often you should read it. But I'm going to give you really quick, because of the sake of time, uh, what we see in the Bible. Remember when Joshua got the tasks to deliver the people of Israel, the Lord said, This book of the law shall never depart from you, and you will read it day and night. And then in Deuteronomy chapter 17, verse 19, it was established by the Lord of Israel that when any king would come to reign over Israel, had to read the book of the law day and night. And you may remember what, what David said in Psalms chapter 1. He said, happy is the man who has not walked in the counsel of the wicked ones. And then he said, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, meditated on it day and night. And then you may remember when Jesus Christ was in the desert after fasting and praying for 40 days, the enemy came to him and attacked him, tempting him. Jesus replied with the word of the law. And he said, it is written, Satan. It is written by the word of the Lord. The reason why sometimes it's difficult to read the Bible is because the enemy, our number one enemy, doesn't want us to find God's word. Doesn't want us to be refreshed. And so you have to fight. If you want to walk with the Lord, you have to give him a fight. You have to make him interested. If you read your Bible at night and you fall asleep, then you have to change your ways. And we have three ways to do it here at Chartel at least. Uh, if When you exit out this morning, find these Bible plans like this one. You can read five minutes of the word of the Lord five days a week and then find five ways of doing deeper. Or like the essential Jesus where you can find 50, per, uh, 50 uh, verses of the Old Testament, 50 of the New Testament, and then you can have a whole picture of what the Bible is or my favorite one, which is the essential Jesus where every day you find Bible verses from the New Testament that when you finish this plan, you will have a big picture of who Jesus is and the plan that he has for our lives. And of course, we are blessed in this church that we have an author among us. Pastor Steve writes the book, A Walk Through God's Work, not A Walk to Remember. A Walk Through God's Work, where he can, uh, you know, how many of you have read this devotional? Any, anybody here? You can attest that from Genesis to Revelation, there is a word for us. The Bible says, to whom much is given, much will be required. And we live in an era where you can have your phone, your Bible on your phone and have it everywhere. Take advantage of that. Then three things really quick. Find a new way to reflect on it. Put it and then find a new way to respond to it. Put it in a journal, put it in a prayer, and finally, 
put it into practice. Let me finish the message with number four. Daily confess your powerlessness without him in every area of your life. I love this. Confess your powerlessness without him in every area of your life. Now, I want to finish with this beautiful story in the Bible that I'm sure you have heard. It's found on Luke chapter 8, verse 43 through 48, so you can read it at home. And it's the story of the bleeding woman. Do you remember this story? You may remember that this woman had suffered for 12 years of a bleeding problem, and other versions of the Bible say, say that she couldn't find no cure. She had spent every single penny, and she could find no cure. Some way, somehow, she hears about this man called Jesus that comes into the place, and then she thinks, if I can only touch the fringe of his robe, I would be healed. Rabbis used to wear this mantle on top of them. That it was usually a purple color in front. And it had these little things uh, on, on, the, on the sides. That, that, that's what she meant when she said, just, just picture the faith of this woman. If I can only, not, not, not even touch him, just the fringe of his robe. I will be healed. Now, what was the problem? She was considered unclean according to Jewish culture. She couldn't come close to us, per se, if we were Jewish. She had to be in the outside of the city. But some way, somehow, she manages to come in, from, in front of Jesus in the middle of the crowd. And then she finally touches Jesus. But then immediately, when Jesus felt that somebody has touched her, which of course, he knew that, this is what caught my attention. Immediately, Jesus stops and asks the whole crowd, who touched me, he asks. Everyone denied, I haven't touched you, I haven't touched you. But, of course, you got to love Peter, right? Master, he said. The whole crowd is pressing against you. What do you mean? Who's touching you? But Jesus said, somebody touched me. For I had felt the healing power go out of me. And I'm quoting a scripture. When the woman realized she could not stay hidden, she began to tremble and fell to her knees in front of him. She explained to him what had happened. Don't miss this. He said, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Here's the question for you. Why would Jesus stop the crowd? Why would he do that? If he knew who had touched him. After all, he is God. Why did he have to stop the crowd and ask? And especially not only that, but knowing that if he asked publicly, knowing that the woman was at risk to be killed, 
by stones because of what she just did. Why would he do that? And here's the answer. If there is something that God loves from you and me and his children, is that we come before him with an honest and sincere heart. Will the woman be honest enough to confess her need before the Lord? Or will she be only interested in the healing? Would she be strong enough in her faith to say, it is me because I believe not on what you can do, but I believe in your person and I want to walk with you? Or will she just get the healing and live happily ever after? The Bible says that she knelt trembling. Oh, I can assure you, church, she was in tremble because she was afraid of the people, of what they would do to her. She was trembling because she knew she was in the presence of God. And what is the result? Jesus didn't call her woman. He said, daughter. Your faith has made you well. Your willingness to have an image of this God who loves you. Your willingness to remove, to confront the junk in your life, to be able to come and be clean. Your willingness to believe that my word can heal you. And finally, your confession before me. Yes, you might say to people, how are you doing today? And of course, you know, we don't trust many people, so we say we're doing okay. But before the Lord, you don't have to say, Lord, I'm doing okay. In fact, you can say, Lord, I come today to the church and I am not doing okay at all. Like my friend Shelly who said, how can I believe a God that didn't heal my mom from schizophrenia? I asked the Lord to, to heal her. My dad left her, my sister. When she got uh, the, her permit to drive, she left us. It was only me and my mom, and I prayed to God, and he didn't heal her. How can I believe in a God like that, she told me. And I responded to her, Shelly, have you gone in front of the Lord and confessed how you feel about what happened? He is a big God. He can take it. May the Lord help us this year. As we start the new year fresh and with motivation. To be able to walk with him. Confronting the junk. Dwelling in his word. Confessing our powerlessness without him. And creating a new image of him. The image of the Bible. A God of love and mercy. Let us pray. Father, we love you so much. We are so grateful that you've given us this day to come into your house, to listen to your word. And now we have received it. I pray, Lord, that you do what only you can do. I can only preach, but you can change the hearts of people and I pray that your word today will fall on fruitful uh, uh, land. That they will hear from you. 
And if there is anybody here that is going through a difficult time of doubt, of sin, of not confronting what's wrong, that today the power of your Holy Spirit will empower them to come out and say, I am not longer, not only a follower of Jesus, I walk with him. Let this be our prayer, Lord, and we pray in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. 